0: in this new episode of inductive conversations jason waits chief information security officer at inductive automation joins us for another segment of how'd you get here jason shares his professional journey which includes a glimpse into the world of it security his time prior to ia his early experiences at ia to where he currently is now he also shares what he envisions of the future and what he enjoys during his spare time my name is arnold j ignacio And this is Inductive Conversations. Hello, and welcome to Inductive Conversations. My name is Arnel J. Ignacio, and we're here doing another episode of How'd You Get Here, where we explore the professional journey of an inductive automation employee. Today, joining with me is Jason Waits. Uh, He's the Chief Information Security Officer here at Inductive Automation. Welcome, Jason. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, Before we jump in, uh, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and what you currently do here at IA?
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Information Security Officer, so I've, um, I'm have i currently in charge of running our corporate security program. Been here for about six and a half years, started in IT, and I was formally tasked with building out a security program in early 2018, so I've been pretty focused on cyber for the last you know, about five years now. So I currently run a team of uh, our security team, and I also oversee IT.
0: And the work that you've done has been great for both uh, the organization, both uh, the product, uh, Ignition, um, so prior, prior to IA, um, what were you doing uh, and uh, what did, uh, what prompted do you to want to make a change?
1: Yeah, you know, at the time I was working as a network administrator for a grocery store, running all their backend uh, IT systems, databases, point of sale, Wi-Fi. Yeah, I had to maintain stuff like uh, PCI compliance and things like that. I'd finished a bachelor's in um, IT with an emphasis on network engineering and systems administration. And uh, I was really um, kind of fired up about moving into security as well. And I was just looking around for a bigger environment. I'd kind of outgrown my current environment, so I was looking for just a new role with a, with a, you know with more tech to play with.
0: Has security been something that you've been interested you know since for a long time, or is was there something that you know got you interested in that?
1: Um, I think I really thought of it as a as a you know a plausible career path back uh, about ten years ago. So I was doing, I did a security, um, course in college. And I think in the first week I was like, Oh, I think I'm going into security. So I was pretty much caught that bug.
0: And so in the midst uh, of your search, you know, you're trying to look for new opportunities. How did you come across inductive automation?
1: Um, I was pretty lucky. I just stumbled upon a posting uh, for an IT position on LinkedIn and, uh, really easy to apply. I had to call back really quickly and, uh, within about a week I was hired. So it was pretty, uh, it was pretty surreal, um, I'd been kind of starting to kind of loosely look around, but not super aggressively, and I and I saw inductive, and it was a compelling uh, uh, job posting, and here we are.
0: And you know, at the time, you know, you, you kind of touched upon it. What attracted you to IA, and what made you uh, decide to to take on the position?
1: Uh, I think I really liked uh, one that it was a software company. You know, I thought it would be a really great environment to play with a lot of technology. Uh, and hopefully be fast moving and just a lot, you know, a lot of uh, things to do. And then I also really liked the um, the industry it was in, you know, making SCADA software that was pretty new to me, but, you know, just going down rabbit holes, learning about that. It's, you know, it's pretty critical stuff. And so I really liked the kind of the mission of, of supporting a company that makes software used in all these, co- you know, critical industries all around the world by massive companies doing really cool stuff.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, talking with other individuals who've, who've come on board, um, you know, industrial automation is not the first thing that comes to mind when they apply to a company, but once you get into it and you start learning about all the different things that are occurring, in, occurring in an industry, how our software works with that, it's, it, you start to see what can happen and what is being done. And it's, it's really cool to be a part of that. So yeah, I know I can understand, um, uh, your, uh, you know, view on that. Um, so when you first started here at inductive automation, what was going through your mind at the time? Anything that stands out to you? I was just, uh, it was just kind of surreal, you
1: know, I landed a really cool job at a really cool company and it was, um, it was just a really fun first year. Um, got a lot of exposure to a lot of new things, you know, I was doing exactly what I wanted to be doing at the time, which was, you know, networking and security and, and some systems administration stuff. And then, you know, that led that path doing just dedicated security work. It was just a really cool um, company. Everyone was so nice and I was just surrounded by so many smart people and stuff. It was just like, uh, yeah, it was good times. No, really fun first year
0: so yeah, let's take a, a look at that journey at I a you know um, can you briefly talk about your progression here you know what you know what skills you were starting off with, um, what skills you picked up along the way, and what were some of the projects uh, that you were working on that you know put you on the path to success?
1: So I started out kind of focused on a lot of uh, networking, you know running our network gear, our switches, our access points, our firewalls and and any of the security tools we had at the time and uh, did IT support on the side, ran Linux servers and all Windows servers, Active Directory and stuff like that, and um, just got to really, um, you know, upgrade and fix and tune and implement a lot of new things in those areas. Um, I think one of the bigger projects was I got to kind of rebuild the entire network stack as we moved to the new building, and that was, what, 2017? So that was a huge project, just completely new architecture, um, got to bake in a whole bunch of cool security stuff, um, really fun project. So. Otherwise, I just got to kind of wrangle in a lot of these things and just, um, yeah, more upgrades and updates and implement some new security tooling.
0: You know, at the time, were you? What what was your role at the when you first began? What was what was kind of like the title that you started off with?
1: Uh, I was IT Sports specialist when I started.
0: And then you progressed to what was your next progression in in, in your in your journey?
1: My next title was cybersecurity risk officer.
0: And then from there you got to the chief uh, information security officer.
1: Yep, basically I think I was director of cybersecurity somewhere in the middle of there too.
0: So as once once
1: we turned cybersecurity into its standalone division, started adding more members and, and fleshing it out. So now the role is a little more global in, in scope and scale.
0: And then you know I asked this question from from a lot of individuals: is like, have you in, did you envision yourself being in the place that you are now? Definitely not.
1: No, definitely not. Like. Uh, kind of at the top of the food chain in terms of security. Um, I expected to kind of end up being like a security engineer, you know, or just kind of, uh, you know, doing, working in security, you know, building out defenses, implementing detection and response kind of capabilities. Um, that's kind of what I expected. So I didn't quite expect uh,
0: the trajectory I've had here. You know, you were mentioning how you were you were coming up with all the, the systems and, and and infrastructure for a new building. Um, is, is that something that was... Uh, exciting for you to work on yeah that was probably
1: the highlight of my career here i feel like um i think most people who are involved on the it side probably feel the same way but it was really cool to just one architect a whole new kind of building from scratch and and to do all the groundwork to get it operational um and then to watch people's kind of faces when they walked in that first day because we'd been working on the building you know for a year and then so most people just showed up they went they went home on a friday they showed up to the new building on a monday and it was like complete new thing so that was that was really cool it was a lot of fun a lot of work a lot of fun
0: yeah yeah no i can imagine the amount of work that went into it and uh no thank you for all the work that you've done and the team has done here to to make the building uh what it is today um were there any like challenges or you know accomplishments that you that stood out during the work uh that you did here at the building
1: um no, I mean, I think the biggest, the biggest challenge was just the timeline. You know, we had a pretty short timeline to move everything from one building to the other. We, we did all over a single weekend, so we <laughs> yeah. had to we had to send people home on a Friday, move everything over on a, on Saturday, Sunday, be operational on, on Monday. So that was pretty crazy.
0: No, yeah, no, I, and I, I remember when we did that transition and, uh, yeah, it was fairly seamless. You know, we just left the other building and then, as you said, the weekend, we came back on the Monday and. We were up and running and ready to go so yeah it, it was really cool um so while working for inductive automation you know uh and, and for the company what stands out to you as being the most important what what is important for you while working here
1: um you know I, it's just really been nice to work with a lot of um, just really smart and nice people uh, you know in a very kind of transparent and collaborative culture you know where we all work together to solve these problems so i think that's been a really a key uh, factor, I guess.
0: What would you say would be a unique, what's something unique to IA that you find working here?
1: Uh, I think just how, how you know, how happy and mission driven most people are and how um, it's been really cool to see kind of the customer side of things too, how, how many cool customers are doing really cool stuff and um, with our product and, and how much they appreciate the company. And so that helps keep a really positive vibe inside the company. And then we have people just kind of working together, you know, to solve some of these problems for people.
0: And how would you describe the culture here at Inductive Automation?
1: Um, it's just very mission-driven and collaborative, I'd say. Um, There's a lot of people working and teaming up to, to solve problems. Um, it's really it's really easy just to Slack someone and jump on a quick meeting with them and hammer something out, you know, across division lines and stuff like that. So, you know, the growth's been pretty crazy for the last five, six years. So. Just, you know, a lot of new faces, a lot of, uh, lot of you know, growing and scaling and, and doing that you know, in efficient ways has been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And uh, having, you know, <clears throat> having becoming a remote first company uh, recently, how has it been like to, uh, uh, has the I team been, uh, has, have they been remote? Have they been on site? Has it been like kind of hybrid type of structure? And how has it been like um, with that structure?
1: I guess we're a bit split. So the security team is fully remote. Uh, all, the, all the other members are in other states um, so that's been no problem at all we you know we have really good communication we and you know with stuff like Google meet and, and slack and stuff it's really easy to stay um, in, in solid communication with each other the IT team um, they're split some of the, some of the members who run the data center or do like help desk style work have uh, there's an in-office component to that since we have a building so they're they're usually in some kind of a split state where they're in the office one or two or three days a week um, Other people working in like the cloud engineering team, they're fully remote.
0: Do you feel like inductive automation uh, gives you what you need to succeed here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, in a lot of companies, IT or security are kind of looked at as cost centers because they're not directly generating revenue. But, 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 you know, IT or security divisions are pretty foundational to, to an organization's success, you know, because we're doing stuff that underpins everything everyone else is doing. You know, we're using technology to solve problems through automation, to make things more secure, safer, faster, more consistent, and so when you shortchange that, you end up with just operational issues that burn you in the end. So, uh, I guess I'm really thankful that we've we've always had a pretty solid. I mean, we're a tech company, and so we no one's ever fought that, and we embrace technology to solve these business problems, and so we haven't had to be in that you know situation that I see peers and other companies in where, you know, it takes years to solve these problems, or they just don't have budget to actually solve it, and, and they. You know, they're constrained in ways that I'm not. So that's uh, what makes it really fun. And and that's why I think on my team we have, you know, and at at an organizational level, we have really low turnover, but like specifically on my team, I think mostly when we hire people and once they kind of see the atmosphere we work in, I think we pretty much all agree like, oh, this is probably the best place we've ever worked. And if we ever went anywhere else, you would be, it'd be just so hard because you'd be so constrained in these, you know by what you can do and the problems you can solve.
0: From what you're saying, it sounds like security is, is a, sometimes in a lot of organizations, it's not top of mind and it should be, you know? And uh, so with that, when you, when you have uh, employees that are coming in or uh, applicants, I should say, coming in to inductive automation and they start seeing the different things that we have here, do you find that they, you know, there's a bit of a surprise on their part of how we operate uh, in terms of, of kind of the industry? Definitely.
1: I think, Um, you know, the vast majority of companies, um, don't have really robust security programs. And that's why you're kind of seeing these like ransomware breaches in the news on a daily basis at this point, stuff that would have been massive news five years ago is a daily occurrence now. So this stuff isn't kind of going away. And a lot of companies just kind of underfund areas like security until something bad happens. And then they realize, oh, well, I guess funding security and investing here is cheaper than the alternative, but, um, you know, kind of a sad state of affairs, but, um, you know, so a lot of these industries only do what they're kind of mandated to do by uh, whatever compliance, you know, they, uh, framework they have to follow. And so what I find is that most people I interview or hire come from very compliance focused roles where they're, they're less so solving technical security issues and implementing security and, and doing like the real good meaty work. They're, they're instead, you know, just doing what is required of them to make sure they can check some compliance box, so to speak. And so, When you come here and we're not constrained by compliance frameworks that mandate things that maybe are 10 or 15 years old, we're actually just assessing risk and and reacting to it as fast as as we can and trying to keep up with the trends and stay on top of it. So there's just like, I guess there's a level of agility that you, uh, most people probably aren't used to uh, in wherever they were previously.
0: No, and I I think that's very apparent here, you know, in terms of of how security is approached. You know, um, you know, I, I feel like we're a little, we're a lot more proactive in terms of of our, of our security. You know, we have a, you know, a security hardening guide. You know, um, your department or your, your your division puts out a lot of great resources in terms of training when it comes to security. So I feel like it's always top of mind, and it's not something that you know we're kind of trailing. I think we're we're kind of we're we're there on 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 the forefront of it, and making sure that we're always in you know in a good position. Um, especially, you know, what, you know, the product that we make in, in some cases, it's mission critical. So it's good to to have that, that in place.
1: Yeah. I mean, just to touch on that, I mean, we, we have, we have no choice to be, but proactive on, in this regard, you know, because we are, we're an increasingly critical part of the supply chain for some really important customers, you know, all around the world. And so that gives us a really good mission statement there to, to make sure nothing goes wrong make sure we're doing our due diligence, you know, to invest in this area.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I like how we're, we're, you know, not only we're proactive, but we're also working well with our, you know, our ignition community. And, you know, you know, a lot of the messaging that we have about security is that it's a, it's, it's a kind of a a mutual um, it's a mutual thing. You know, we can, we can put security as much as we can, but it also is upon our users and our customers to implement, you know best practices. You know we're providing the tools, but it's also up to our customers to to implement that. You want, you want to kind of speak to that a little bit? For sure. I mean, you know, so ignition's
1: a platform, so you can it's going to be what whatever you make of it. Um, you can do amazing things with it. You could also probably do terrible things, and that's why we you know we put out um, stuff like the security hardening guideline. There's there's been a tremendous amount of work that's went into that. So definitely, that's my number one thing to recommend to any customers: make sure you are aligning to that because. Um, Just doing the basics gets you a really long way in security. In almost any crazy breach you read about, it's basically someone skipping something very basic. Um, It's usually not, you don't need super fancy, you know, machine learning, AI-driven, cutting-edge security tools to to stop a lot of the bad things that happen. It's Just really basic stuff like we outlined in the hardening guideline. Turning on encryption, using multi-factor authentication, keeping things up to date. So, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we do our part and we try to keep you know, uh, ignition free of vulnerabilities. We um, we regularly engage in third-party penetration testing. We we participate in things like the own competitions where our, our, our software is targeted, and you know, and people disclose bugs to us. So we fix those, you know, as fast as we can. Um, and we have tools built into the pipeline that will find vulnerable versions of dependencies, fix them, and ship that. But Uh, that's our part right and so it's kind of on the customer to make sure they can upgrade their ignition instance regularly as well so definitely definitely we recommend as much as possible i think we actually have a blog talking about this make sure customers try to put themselves in a position where they could patch quickly if they need to because we can fix a we can fix a bug in five hours but if if someone's on a you know two-year patch cycle it's not going to help them much
0: and it's interesting that you mentioned the Pwn to Own. I think that's been kind of an exciting thing that we've seen here at Inductive Automation. Um, I know we've we've participated in the I believe two already. Is that right? Yep. And so, you know, we've we've seen messages come through uh how we how we did that. And it's kind of interesting to to actually engage in that. Do you find that a lot of companies want to engage in that, or is that something they kind of shy away from uh, you know, altogether?
1: You know in the big picture historically a lot of companies shied away from from this you know if you look back 10 20 years a lot of the big companies were trying to sue security researchers you know that were were saying oh hey we found a vulnerability in your software and the the default response would be how do we silence this you know it makes us look bad increasingly um, large companies are um, kind of embracing this approach and you know and kind of thanking the researchers and working with them proactively but uh I think you know, this is still fairly new for, for industrial control systems and OT stuff. So that, that that's why the the Dome competition uh, was a kind of a big deal when they launched in, in 2020. There, um, so we were super happy to be part of the the first one and uh, and and the second one. And uh, but definitely, I mean, definitely not all the customer You know, not all the potential targets were actually included. There are definitely a lot of companies that would prefer not to have um, vulnerabilities found and disclosed, but At the end of the day, right? These researchers researchers are just finding vulnerabilities that exist in software. So the faster we find them and fix them, you know, the better better off we are. Um, It's better have you know an ethical researcher find it than uh, you know an adversary uh, in in another country, you know, that wants to use it for harm.
0: And, And is that something that you know when when they you know first had that? Is something where we were you know were we invited to that, or is that something we said you know let's try this and be a part of that. What was, how was that? How did that look like in the beginning?
1: Yeah, I think they they started with a couple of categories they wanted to target, and then they just reached out to people that they wanted to include, and so we were on that initial list. Um, I believe it was the HMI category, and so we yeah I was stoked when I saw that email because um, you know we we pay lots of money to third party testing te- testers to to test this stuff already, so this is just a shot to get dozens of more researchers taking a crack at it and, and trying to find some stuff. Um, that we could you know help use to help improve ignition. So super fun, um, really fun. to Go to that first one. Definitely one of the highlights of my career here. Um, and to see the response on our side was also really cool to watch the uh, you know software engineering team fix those bugs as quick as humanly possible.
0: Yeah, no, I think I think when we when we saw how you know when we first saw the results of that, and then how we responded, and then at the speed at which we put something out. I think that's, it was a great way for us to show that we are, you know, we're proactive about it and that, you know, we're making you know, it's not like we're hiding uh, the fact, you know, software has a lot of vulnerabilities. It's just kind of the, the nature of it, right? But it's a matter of how we approach it and how we respond to it. And it's kind of like, it's an ongoing thing. We got to just continue to 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 be on the lookout and to be on top of it. And uh, definitely the work that you've been doing and definitely the team, your team has been doing has, has shown that. And so... Um, it's great that we have been particip- <clears throat> participating in stuff, um, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think you know prevention is ideal, but but detection and response is a must. And so a lot of our security program revolves around doing the best we possibly can from a proactive preventative standpoint. But otherwise, building out response capabilities. And I personally always judge vendors on their response. You know, how do they respond to bad stuff? Because there's always some weird potential thing, one in a million chance that could happen, or, or vulnerabilities. Right, they're just present everywhere. It's part of the game. So, how quick do you respond, and how do what kind of attitude do you take in, in that regard?
0: Yeah. So, looking into the future, you know, what what do you foresee for yourself, uh, for the company, you know, software, the industry as a whole? What 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 do you see coming down the pipeline um, in that regard?
1: You know, for the company, I think we'll just continue to grow and just keep adding more consistency and maturity to our you know, programs and processes, you know, our teams will scale and we'll just keep, you know, from the security standpoint, we're just going to keep trying to build a world-class program here. Um, I think in my new role, I will increasingly start to reach across division lines on on some bigger issues as well, collaborate more with other divisions and some stuff like that.
0: And so in regards to looking to the future, do you find, do you foresee any challenges that could be on the way or be there, if you will?
1: In general, just the increasing um, amount of stuff we're putting online, and the increasing amount of reliance on technology, is definitely a uh, going to be a challenge in the future. You know, uh, and there there are so many factors here, but the increasing connectedness of all this stuff, you know, this IT, OT convergence that people talk about, there are implications there for for reliability and, and security. So, there absolutely benefits to doing this stuff too, but there are always downsides. You know, and so I definitely worry about. Um, you know, people people moving too fast in this regard and hooking up critical systems to stuff that has a path to the internet, you know, and things like that, that could result in some, um, some bad stuff, you know, similar to what we see with like cloud, you know, as people quickly move to the cloud, they kind of made some rookie mistakes, you know, that caused some big issues because they're now exposing stuff that wasn't previously exposed. So there's, um, yeah, you know, a lot of stuff has been uh, kind of hidden by air gaps in the past that might um, come to light in the in the future, unfortunately.
0: It just requires uh, a lot of planning and a lot of work on 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 the customer side and our side just to work. Again, you know, it, it's that mutual um, relationship that we have with our customers to make sure that everything is, you know, uh, considered and make sure that, you know, things are in place. Um, instead of like, oh, here's some new thing, we'll just jump right into it. You know, a lot of times people do that. They're like, oh, yeah, this is so cool. We'll just jump into it. And then, you know, later along down the line, they just didn't realize or take a look at things to make sure um, everything was in order. So,
1: yeah, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? So it's very true in security. So just properly planning some of these deployments and following like hardening guidelines and proper segmentation
0: gets you a long way.
1: It's hard. It's way harder to, to add that stuff on later.
0: Yeah. Do you find like, you know, when it comes to security, for a lot of people, do you, do you think it's, it's just where to start? Is that, is that kind of where people get caught up with when it comes to that?
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of stuff to consider, you know, security is, um, sits on top of everything underneath it. Right. So you have like, just so there's so many layers, it's very complex. There's, there's a huge lack of talent right now. Um, or just, or just unfilled jobs maybe more so. And, um, when you're time constrained, you know, and, you can't figure something out it's e- it's easier to, for some people just ignore it you know and say I'll do it later so it's really common troubleshooting approach is to turn off the security stuff get something working and then people often forget to turn it back on
0: we've been talking a lot about the things that you've been doing here at inductive automation and and kind of the focus on security um so let's focus outside of work what are some of the things that you you like to do or are involved in
1: I'm currently working on my master's degree so it's about three years running so about to finish up in six weeks so Still do a lot of cybersecurity stuff outside of work, you know, around that master's degree. Um, listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks, mostly mostly cyber focused. So pretty big part of my life. Uh, otherwise, um, my outlet is is kind of fitness-based stuff. Um, I like to work out a lot. have a home nice home gym now, thanks to COVID. Um, do a lot of obstacle races. You know, I think I've done 35-ish Spartan obstacle races.
0: Oh, fantastic. Yeah.
1: Recent shoulder surgery to prove it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's usually my outlet just to try to disconnect from from tech as much as I can.
0: The, the the Spartan races that you've been involved in, um, how how did you get involved in that as opposed to other other, you know, sort of competitive fitness um events?
1: Um, yeah, so I actually hate running, but um but I always liked lifting and, and climbing things and like, you know, kind of like American Ninja Warrior style stuff it was more appealing. So uh, I definitely just saw some of the obstacles and was like, oh, I want to go, you know. Crawl through mud and then climb over that giant thing, you know, or jump over fire. So, just sounded cool. I don't know. So, I like I like stuff that's as far away from my day to day, I guess, as possible. So that was appealing. And then I had to, you know, run run as part of those things in between those obstacles. But mostly just showed up to climb stuff.
0: And has there any been a a particular Spartan event uh, a race that you, that stands out to you?
1: I did one. I didn't like do. No, I'm not saying I did well, but I did uh, the World Championship course. I think it was back in 2018 in, uh, in Tahoe. So it was uh, way up there, really high elevation. It was a brutal course, super cold. I had to swim in like 30 degree water. You know, people were getting hypothermia. Um, so that one was fun. It was, uh, felt good to finish it.
0: Excellent. Well, this, this wraps up, uh, our, our podcast. Um, Jason, thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, you know, thank you for having a conversation regarding your journey here at Inductive Automation. Um, Is there any anything that you like? Any parting words that you want to leave with our audience or with uh, any prospective uh, applicant to IA? To future applicants, I think it's a great place to
1: work. Um, You know, the vibe, the culture, the people are are fantastic. So it's been just a nonstop, you know, stream of of new projects and things to do and growth. That's been been really um, positive experience. Um, I think to customers, uh, please follow the ignition security hardening guidelines. So. a big plug there. Always, I mean, it's just really cool, though, to see what our customers are doing with our software. Um, you know, we had ICC a couple of months ago. So just every time hearing these crazy things that people are doing, because I'm a bit removed from the customer side of things. So it's always a nice refresher to see just this, the scale and the scope and, and the creativity that some people are showing. It's pretty awesome. So it
0: makes it really, um,
1: I don't know, really, it feels like, our, you know, we're doing good work here and uh, our roles are all important. So a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. It's always great to see what our customers do with our software. And again, you know, thank you for your work with uh, security and thank you for everything that you've done here at Inductive Automation. Um, Again, thank you for joining with me, Jason, and I hope you have a great day. You do. Hey, listeners, this is a quick reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying the conversations. Also, if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, or if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, then please send your inquiries to podcast at inductiveautomation.com.